hi to all who are listening. Welcome to the Theology Mill podcast brought to you by Whitfenstock Publishers. My name is Zach Mickle. I'm on the staff here at Whitfenstock. I'm also the host of this podcast, which consists of interviews with leading authors and thinkers in theology, biblical studies, and philosophy. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, uh, please come stop by our website at whitfenstock.com, where you can browse our catalog of publications and also read our blog. So this episode is part one of our Bulgakov booth, in which we'll be learning about Sergis Bulgakov, uh, the Russian Orthodox priest, theologian, and economist. These interviews will explore the many intellectual turns uh, in Bulgakov's biography, as well as some of the key themes in his writings. So in this inaugural episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Regula Zwallen, and Dr. Zwallen is the scientific director of the Sergei Bulgakov Research Center at the University of Freiburg, uh, as well as the co-editor of the German edition of Bulgakov's work. So with that, I just want to say how much we at Whippenstock appreciate you listening, and we hope you enjoy this conversation. Okay, so I am here with Dr. Regula Zwallen, who is the scientific director of the Sergei Bulgakov Research Center at the University of Freiburg, which is in Switzerland. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Okay, so let's. Um, so one one question we're starting to use as an icebreaker that I've been tinkering with on the show. Um, is talking about kind of three thinkers in a room. And since we're going to be talking about Bulgakov, which actually let's let's just establish something really fast because I've heard different pronunciations <laughs> of Bulgakov, uh, Bul- Bulgakov. Uh, I've heard a few different pronunciations. And also I see that his first name sometimes is, is spelled Sergis, sometimes Sergei. So could you help help me understand... <laughs> How to say this man's name. So it's Bulgakov. Okay. Not uh, Bulgakov or something. It's Bulgakov. Okay. <laughs> and with the forenames, it's just his first forename was Sergei. Okay. That's the normal name. And when he became a priest in 1918, he uh, was given the the orthodox name of uh, Sergei in Russian it's it's called Sergei and uh, often in English translations it's and and he himself he used the name Sergius so the Latin okay. form this so not everybody agrees uh, if if we should tell say Sergei or Sergius sure well yeah, I'm glad that we could establish how you pronounce his name. So thank you for helping with that. Um, I do see sometimes that even in even in books that have been published in English translation, that sometimes his author name is listed as Sergius and sometimes as Sergey or some variation. So it's good to know um, some of the history behind that. But to get to, get to this icebreaker question I was talking about, um, if you since we're dealing with Bulgakov. Um, if you had to stick Bulgakov, or if you could, if you had the opportunity to stick Bulgakov in a room with three other thinkers sort of around a table and you got to listen in um, to their conversation, which thinkers would you choose and why? Yes. 
Okay. Um, can I say you you gave me that question before, so I already thought about it a little bit. Yes, of course. Of the, course. First, the first uh, person that came to my mind was Immanuel Kant. Mm. Because I think he's one of the most important thinkers Bulgakov dealt with, and he's always somehow somewhere between the lines mm -hmm. in Bulgakov, uh, in Bulgakov's anthropology. Um, mainly uh, because of, of his um, theory of the person or the human being as end in itself, and mm -hmm. which should not be instrumental. And Bulgakov uh, always said that's kind, kind of a secular form of saying each human being is, a, is an image of God. Mm. And, yeah, of course, he has a lot of criticism uh, for Kant so, as well. So I would really like to hear them discuss that mm -hmm. uh, in person. Uh, then the next person or philosopher or thinker I thought of was Ahana Arendt. Mm. Okay. Uh, because of her political thought, social thought, her critique of totalitarianism, um, she, yeah, she she repeat. No, she did not repeat, but some of her ideas, um, you you could already read them in in Russian philosophers who. Mm criticized Marxism and in the totalitarian aspects of, of Marxism. And that's one thing. And another thing I, um, I think I already wrote about it several times, but there's one thing Anna Arendt wrote in, in her little book about uh, existentialism. And I have that phrase with me. So what she said is the very point in which all of modern philosophy can take no comfort whatsoever is that man is forced to affirm a being that he did not create and that is alien to his very nature. Hmm. So that's what she said modern philosophy is about. And I think one of the main things Bulgakov's theology is about is that that being we did not create is not something alien <laughs> mm. to, to our beings but it, it's a gift and it mm. belongs to us and we have to do something with it and know sure. it sure yeah well, I think that's something they these two people should talk about <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> And the third person that came to my mind was uh, the German Protestant theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm. Um, yeah, with his his uh, thoughts about the role of religion and the church in modern society, with his thoughts of resistance against injustice and also totalitarianism. And his thoughts about God in his world, that God is not something 
uh, very uh, far away from us, but something that, or the Christianity is something that, that should help us live in the world and not think about yeah. something heaven all the time or <laughs> something yeah. that is far from us. So I think these um, four people in one room, that would be quite exciting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's fun to think about, you know, what those three thinkers besides Bulgakov might get into as well. Like, It'd be, I think it'd be really interesting to hear Anna Arendt and Dietrich Bonhoeffer talk, especially because they were so closely involved with, um, you know, with with World War Two and and yeah. you know the Holocaust and everything. It'd be it'd be really, really, I think, really fascinating to hear them um, speak about that together. Okay, so. Um, for those who who don't know Bulgakov's work or don't know much about him, could you just say a little bit about who he was? Um, what were maybe what you know what kind of was the context he lived in, or what were some of the major events of his life? <clears throat> yeah, so Bulgakov uh, was born uh, in 1871 in the Russian Empire, and there was this, a very interesting time for the Russian Empire because 10 years ago um, there was a huge reform um, the liberation of the slaves or liber abolition of serfdom and every everything was changing um, there was a lot of unrest in the society and, and something was going on and he he was one of these young people who who wanted to change society. They wanted to change it for the better and and do something about it to engage politically. Um, was still very difficult in that time, but but something was was going on in in this society. So it, it's it's a very interesting time he lived in. And he himself, he grew up in a very little provincial town in Western Russia. He was a son of a cemetery priest. Mm. He was himself uh, supposed to become a priest as a young boy. He went to this, these schools who prepared him. He pre prepared, should prepare him for that. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, already as a teenager, he had some kind of crisis, a uh, faith crisis. He thought his teachers could not answer his questions. Mm. And he decided to to change to a secular school, to a secular high school. And obviously, it, he could do that, and his parents were okay with that, so... That was a major step in his life, away from what he should have become <laughs> then <Yeah. laughs> uh, to a secular education. And then he went to University of Moscow. Actually, he wanted to, he, he writes in his autobiography that he, he wanted to study philosophy or literature or something, but because he really wanted to, to change something in society, uh, he uh, enrolled for for in the law faculty and economics, mm. and that was that was considered the the so called progressive or liberal uh, faculty at this mm. 
university everybody who wanted to to do something he went there mm. um all the all the marxists of course so the the modern or the modern kind of economy at that time was yeah. was the marxist thing and yeah one of his uh, student uh, his colleagues was uh, vasily kandinsky <laughs> the mm. painter mm -hmm. for example mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it must have been very interesting <laughs> to study then at the Moscow yeah, University. Absolutely. And well, he 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 made a career. He studied economics. He was gifted, and he was promoted to go further to write a dissertation. So um he wrote a dissertation and he went abroad for to write this dissertation um it's about uh, agrarian uh industry in <laughs> or, or the agrarian question how to change the reform yeah so it's a, actually it's called about the markets in capitalist production and of course it was a, a marxist minded um thesis and he traveled for it uh, a lot to germany he met many uh, important people in uh, of social democracy in germany but uh, that that's uh, when he got disappointed in marxism mm. As, uh, while during his thesis um he thought that um the the marxist way of of uh, well, not market, but <laughs> the the Marxist way of doing economics will not work for mm. farmers in Russia. Mm. So that's where he disagreed with Lenin, and so that's the one thing. And the other thing is, while he he thought he thought he he would like to combine Marx with Kant, um, because he thought that uh, the the dignity of every individual human being must be. Uh, justified in uh, economics as well and he thought that marxism does not provide that so in this time there were a lot of changes in his thoughts and he um went, went further and further away from marxism sure. because of that and well with with his uh, religious background i think um religious questions came back in and in the russian intelligentsia so the the educated people were very interested in religious questions in that time it was kind of a religious re revival and he was affected by that as well and um, started to ask questions he mm -hmm. Yeah, I read Dostoevsky. Everybody was talking about Lev Tolstoy and his critique of the church. And of course, uh, he got to know Vladimir Solovyov, the great Russian philosopher, and read him and was very impressed by him. And so that's, that's his way back to religious questions. So he was part of, the, of a very creative uh, society, uh, educated society in Moscow and St. Petersburg after that. And he became a professor first in Kiev. And then 
he changed to Moscow after the first Russian Revolution, 1905. He decided he had to engage with politics because it was um, possible now. So mm -hmm. the Tsar allowed to uh, establish a Duma, a parliament, and he somehow wanted to be part of that. Mm -hmm. And he was part of that. He was part of the second Duma. Uh, he was elected as a mm, Christian okay. socialist. Okay. <laughs> what what he did is he began, he began to develop a Christian socialism, not an atheist one like mm, Marx mm -hmm. and Lenin did. So that's one background, and now it it goes on with with the revolutionary or yeah developments until 1917. After that, he was expulsed, uh, expelled from the Soviet Union, and he came to Paris, mm -hmm. <laughs> where mm -hmm. they established um, the Theological Institute in order to preserve Orthodox theology. Mm. And in this, in the time of revolution, around 1917-1918, he decided to become a priest. And he decided so because um, during 1917, there was the provisional um, government and they separated the ties between church and state. And that was the reason why Bulgakov said, now I can become a priest because the church is now a free institution and mm, not dependent on the state anymore. So now... I can do this. <laughs> mm. Earlier, he could not. Sure, sure. Okay. In his life, there yeah, is a death of a son. Um, yeah. 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 His marriage, yeah. of course. Uh, he had four children. Mm -hmm. well, there's a lot of a lot to say, but <laughs> yeah. I hope important ones. <laughs> his son was quite young when he passed. Is that right? Yeah, he was nine years old. Nine years old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, thank you for that. That's very, very helpful context. What would you say? I mean, I know with a figure like Bulgakov, especially, this is a really tricky and difficult question, but what would you say are some of the kind of the major threads of his work throughout his career? Maybe um, if, like many <laughs> uh, English readers, American readers, who only know the the theological the late theological work mm -hmm. maybe they would not say the same things <laughs> as i sure. i started to sure. to read the, the early works and i think uh, three threads in his work are well the dignity of the human person mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. one thing he he writes about from the start even as a marxist and um, the meaning of of matter. So that was was something that was very influential in his interest in in Marxism because he thought one thing that that is really right about Marxism or even materialism mm -hmm. more broadly is that yeah matter <laughs> matters. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we live in this in this material world and we have to deal with it and it's a part of us we have bodies we we are material <laughs> beings mm -hmm. and that's something marx got right it it's play, it's playing a role in history and 
but he wanted to find a, a religious, uh, a Christian explanation for this. Sure. Fact. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So persons, matter, and history. <laughs> So the meaning of history is is a very important um, thread in Bulgakov's thought. And it's interesting that his last uh, book he ever wrote is about the Apocalypse of John, mm. which he says is that's kind of a theology of history mm. or an interpretation of yeah. the whole human history and what's it about and sure. where is it heading. Sure. Yeah, no, thank you for that. And you, you had kind of alluded to this already, that he was sort of part of a class of thinkers that's often associated with what's called the Russian Silver Age or the Russian Religious Renaissance. So who, I think you, you mentioned um, Sol, Sol, Soloviev, is that how you say his name? Yeah. You mentioned Soloviev. him or Soloviev, you mentioned him already. Who were, so I know he was kind of one of the thinkers associated with this movement, but who were, who were some of these other thinkers? And then what was Bulgakov's relationship like with them and with their work? Yeah, so the one group are, are the artists and uh, poets and writers. And then you have uh, many philosophers and they they would all there are not so many people and they meet in Moscow and St Petersburg at several um, groups and meetings they are not so many so they all kn mm. knew each other sure <laughs> and wrote in the same journals and so on <clears throat> and um, they are uh, founding all these uh, religious philosoph philosophical societies in every major town where they would have discussions about the relationship of religion and philosophy the mm. church and philosophy and one of the the major the influ most influential persons was Dmitry Mereshkovsky and his wife Sinaidi Sinaida Gipius they are connected with this uh, new religious consciousness they were totally anti-church they thought they developed a thought uh, outside the church. Mm. And, well, you have to develop a, a new kind of religious thinking or religious life individually or in, in groups, but not with the institution of the historical church. Sure. And um, Bulgakov was not very fond of them. He did not agree. <laughs> Um, some time he he mocked Mereshkovsky as the new Martin Luther of Russia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Bulgakov was was one of the of people who wanted to reform the church. So sure. he, they wanted to change, to have change within the church, and to reform the church, and to to. Um, well, stop with that state-church relation as it was in the Russian Empire. Sure. So the, this sure. church was kind of a state ministry to control people, and they thought mm -hmm. church has another role in society, not to control yeah. people. And one of <clears throat> these people was um, Novoselov. I don't know the forename anymore. Um, 
he was very influential, but also very uh, conservative. So Bulgakov was always floating uh, between very different points of views, trying to find his own position. (laughs) And yeah, one one of his his, um, closest colleagues was Nikolai Berdyaev. Uh, who was very, very influential with his uh, philosophical academy, um, different initiatives. He They worked together uh, as editors of a journal. Yeah, but they had a, quite a, dif- a difficult relationship, but they mm-hmm. were very close. Yeah. And yeah, both and were I... very influential in, in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that you. So you actually wrote a book on Berdyaev and and Bulgakov and their relationship, right? Isn't that correct? Yeah. <laughs> and you've written a lot outside of the book, even on their relationship. So could you say a little bit about uh, a little bit more about their relationship specifically? So and you mentioned that there were some some differences, there were some difficulties in the relationship, but um, just based on reading some of your work, I know there were also some similarities. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. (laughs) I know it's I know that that opens up a whole can of worms. So you don't feel like you have to answer all of that. Yeah. yeah. Go read the book. That's what you can answer. It was my thesis. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Written in German, so it's a little bit difficult. Um yeah, so so what they what combines them or puts them together is is their their um, endeavor to develop a kind of Christian socialism. Mm. They both were former Marxists. They thought Marx had some points <laughs> with regard to social justice, uh, how a so- society should be organized. Um, but they wanted to to justify that in a Christian way and not in an atheist way. So that's the the main point of um, connection between the two, the defense of human dignity and the defense of freedom of of every single person. And the search for for a kind of uh, society that, um, yeah, um, makes makes, uh, the, the human dignity possible, but not in a uh, atomistic or individualist way so we we still would have kind of connections between people or a just social society but they were always on on the search for something like this and um they they actually thought and said a lot that the the ideals of the french revolution so liberty equality fraternity that was were actually Christian values Mm. and they should be justified in a Christian way and not in an atheist way. Mm. So that was their main goal Mm. that they wanted to achieve. Mm. And so they they both uh, developed their religious thought (laughs) and uh, Bulgakov was always more well, the the church guy, <laughs> and more the one who wanted to do this within the Orthodox, within a Reformed Orthodox Church. 
mm. and uh, Bedaev is one someone who who was who was orthodox he said he's orthodox but he's not so much mm-hmm. someone who's linked to the church life sure. Sure. and well very very generally <laughs> speaking uh, Bedaev is always a very romantic thinker he is always searching for unity identity he he always wants to to see the divine in people to to merge the divine and the human and um bulgakov is someone who um who looks for synergy mm, okay. so if you want an opposite it's identity in berjaev and and synergy in in bulgakov who always wants to keep the human dignity uh as something separate but always in dialogue or in in cooperation with the divine sure. but he says human human being are made as partners or yeah someone who god wants to talk to but not wants to be that everybody is the same <laughs> sure Sure. God, God creates plurality of persons. Okay, okay, that's very, and, very and interesting, very been, helpful. Sorry, very no, different ahead, view of, of the of the notion of freedom. So that is um, some something where they are really different thinkers. Mm-hmm. For Berjaev, you could say he is always almost a agnostic thinker so mm-hmm. freedom yeah. is a principle apart from god it's something outside of god that god can cannot control <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, bulgakov would rather say freedom is is a gift from god it's something given to people it's connected to our relationship to god but it's not something outside of god so yeah. <laughs> very simply spoken sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like in some ways they're both very philosophical thinkers, but Bulgakov is is maybe a little more theological leaning and Berdyev is maybe a little more philosophical leaning. Um, you, yeah, you've, you've brought up a few times um, how important, like the dignity of the human person, um, the importance of just kind of laying out a theory of human personhood is for Bulgakov. And I know he uses a handful of terms in in um, in doing this, um, including like two that I've written down here are God, manhood, and Sophia. Um, so, what maybe you could speak to these two specifically, um, or if you have others in mind? Um, what do these have to do with kind of the constitution of the human person in his mind? Yes. <laughs> 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 Another difficult question, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sophiology is the um, difficult notion here, but I think one has to understand and to know that sophiology for Bugakov—that's anthropology. <laughs> In the first place, it's something he needs to explain his his own anthropology and it's about the divine human nature of each human person he's speaking about so actually uh, god manhood so the 
refers to the Chalcedonian Creed, uh, to, to the, well, definition of Christ, uh, in whom uh, divine nature and human nature are combined. And that's the main question for Bulgakov. How is that possible, that God can become human? How is this connect connected? And one of the answers is man is already uh, made in the image of God. And that's kind of a, a divine human structure of personhood, okay. which is already there. And because of that, God can become human. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> and so that's quite important for Bulgakov that human nature is not something alien to to us or yeah. to persons that we have to fight or be against or <clears throat> but uh, nature is 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 given and <clears throat> we cannot get rid of it and we should not because it's something good <laughs> sure sure it's created and so in in later modern orthodox thinking there is a lot of of talk about uh, person versus nature and that's something very alien to Bulgakov you will not find it mm. in him he thinks a person is always made of the the personality the the i in the person we, which develops itself uh, in her nature mm. and even her individuality a nature is and and the human nature is is also kind of related and part of whole nature of the whole creation sure okay so that's very important and and um here is uh, that's where sophia comes in <laughs> at another place um actually it's called the a book called the tragedy of philosophy bulgakov wrote in the 1920s that's very interesting because there he uh, talks of the philosophy of hypostasicity. Mm. So his uh, concept of personhood is a philosophy or a theology of hypostasicity, because in the well patristic texts, the human uh, God is uh, conceptualized as Trinity in in her own nature. So you have three hypostases in one nature, Lucia. Hmm. And Bulgakov, in Bulgakov's concept, then human hypostases are um, in the, made in the image of God. So they are made in the image of Trinity. Okay. And then you have all human hypostases sharing one nature that is our world, the creation. Sure, okay. Yeah, it's it's really a bit difficult to explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Sophia, Sophia is a is an aspect of of divine nature and of human and then created nature. So Sophia is what God reveals to us. He doesn't reveal everything of of his his own nature. Usia, we don't know everything about God. But what he reveals to humanity is called divine Sophia. 
And what he does uh, when he creates the world, he he kind of copies that divine Sophia. He um, he sets it free outside uh, of himself. Creatio ex nihilo. That's how Bulgakov explains it. Mm-hmm. And then he creates uh, men, and they should live in in this uh, revealed nature, like Trinity is living in her own nature mm-hmm. and in communication with each other. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It is. It is quite complex. I, and I know that Bulgakov and I think others, from my understanding, are known for sort of elaborating on Sophia and developing this whole kind of sophiology. So, I mean, is that original to Bulgakov um, or wh- where is that sort of coming from? Cause I know that it's popular or at least my understanding is that it's sort of popular among Russian religious philosophers of that time period. Yeah. That's actually a difficult question because uh, um, Sophia actually is an idea that came from Germany. <laughs> mm, okay. So you, you find this concept of of wisdom in uh, Hildegard von Bingen, and then it was developed in German mystical thinkers, Jakob Böhme, Franz von Bader. And that's how it came to Russian intellectuals. And somehow they were the ones who developed this uh, idea further that's one that's one explanation the other explanation that Bulgakov uses a lot because he wants to show that the idea of Sophia is something specially developed in uh, Eastern Orthodoxy or Byzantine theology is you have you have quite a lot of churches dedicated to Sophia the Hagia Sophia in, in Istanbul, yeah. and we have one in Kiev, in Novgorod. So it's quite a, a common concept. And of course, it also goes back to the Old Testament. But one can say it's always somehow connected with, with creation and nature. Um, so that's one thing. It's it's always connected with art. So many artists in Russia referred to the concept philosophers and yeah it's it's maybe really a speciality of russian philosophy that they took this concept so seriously but each one uh, develops quite as quite a different thing <laughs> so sure, sure. um what bulgakov then develops in his theology is is very uh, different from what Solovyov did and mm-hmm. uh, or Lorensky did, they are, of course, influences, but in Bulgakov, it takes off somehow in a, in a very different direction, but it's always connected to, to the materiality and, mm-hmm. uh, well, it, it's always connected to creation and, and, mm-hmm. create, and human creativity, what to do with this world, how to, how to create, how to develop economy <laughs> sure uh, how to make art so so it's sort of the if i'm hearing you correctly it's sort of the creative aspect of how human beings can kind of cooperate with god's creative work is that right um 
Yes, that that yeah. would be the goal. But but um, he starts earlier. Just how? Th that's a very Kantian question, by the way. How is creativity possible? Sure. Yeah. So Kant yeah. asked, "How is knowledge possible?" And Bulgakov's question from the beginning was, "How is economy possible? How is creativity uh, sure. production consumption possible?" And his sophiology is one of the answers to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've brought up Kant a few times, and I know that German I idealism was really influential. For Bulgakov. So could you say a bit about sort of how he's influenced by German idealism? Maybe, I mean, I know you've mentioned a bit about the Kantian influence, but I know he's influenced by like Schelling, for example. So what, I mean, which, what are sort of, who are sort of the particular thinkers that are especially influential for him? And then how does that influence sort of take shape in his own thinking? Yeah. Again, <laughs> Kant is very important here. But I already mentioned that a lot of time. <laughs> then uh, something that is actually uh, quite new to me is is the big importance of uh, Fichte. Mm, okay. Um, in his strategy of philosophy, he deals a lot of Fichte and how he influenced his thought. <clears throat> uh, so Fichte's um, concentration of of the eye, the human eye, uh, which you can't get rid of in in thinking. Sure. And that's something Bogakov says, yes, that's that's true. You can't get rid of it and we have to somehow deal with it and to mm -hmm. take it in into a Christian anthropology. Mm. And yeah, Schelling of course is very important with his philosophy of nature again. So we're Again, with yeah. the aspect of nature, and we we should take uh, matter seriously as a, as a given yeah. fact. And well, it, it's quite interesting in his strategy of philosophy. He he criticizes each of of these uh, German threads in German idealism because he thinks they are all one sided. So mm. he says they all just looked at one side of reality because for him, reality is a Trinitarian being. It's always, being is always there in three aspects. Mm, okay. Like in a sentence, you have a subject, you have an object, and you have being that relates. Right. I am something. And he says Kant... Uh, and and Fichte, they dealt with the eye. Uh, says Hegel, he dealt only with the object. And he mm. says Schelling and Spinoza, they dealt only with being. And what we need in theology is all three of them in an anthropology of Trinitarian being. And so he he takes something from everyone and he criticizes everyone sure. to develop his own thinking sure, sure yeah no that's a really helpful summation um so thank you for that well um you yeah you've spoken a bit to sort of his early marxism um and how he comes to sort of move beyond it um but could you maybe say um 
maybe say a little bit about what ways his sort of early political and economic thinking um, get carried forward in his thinking sort of post-conversion. Um, and then conversely, maybe in what ways did his conversion maybe create a rupture with those prior political and economic um, ways of thinking if that if that did indeed kind of create a rupture for him? Yeah. So Bulgakov himself, he always claimed there is absolutely no rupture yeah, <laughs> in yeah. his uh, development of thought. He said he always went from one step to another. And uh, by dealing with, with the economy, he always asked the... Um, the fundamental questions. So, uh, as I already said, how is it even possible that human beings are able to to create something, to <laughs> to do something yeah. Yeah. with in this world? And so that's that's a philosophical question. And he always uh, wanted economy economy to be aware of its. Um, philosophical preconditions mm. so it's not just uh, economy or human history is not like Marx said just developing in a logical way right. but humans are creating it and it's it's important to know what values are behind it so do we create or organize society in order to um, uh, that just some people are going to be rich and exploit the others <laughs> or do we have uh, an, an ideal of, of uh, human dignity for everyone so that we want to develop social justice and so he always taught uh, the history of social teachings and uh, he always wanted to see what what did these people want and how did they develop and that's how he uh, thought that r the religion behind all these social concepts or economic concepts is important and mm -hmm. it plays a role it influences how people think and act and that's how he thought we we have to have a theology or a church that um, can um, support a society or an economy that fosters social justice and human yeah. dignity. And that's why he went into theology in order to do something like that yeah. <laughs> or to develop something like that. And then he unfortunately had no time to go back into the political and economical sure. part work. <laughs> yeah. It seems like, <laughs> yeah. It seems like the groundwork he lays has a lot of uh, generative possibility for sure that in the political realm. Um, I know. Yeah. So since he kind of started out as a socialist, um, seemingly sort of left the church, but, from what I understand, claims he 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 was always a Christian, or that he like his uh, conversion was always ongoing. Um, 
but he, he comes to eventually reject socialism, as you mentioned. So what's kind of the mature Bulgakov's critique of socialism? Um, but then also, does does he see like any redeeming qualities in, in socialism after he breaks with it? Yeah, uh, one could say he never really broke with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because he, he always uh, wanted to yeah foster social justice but what he criticized was not socialism per se but um the atheist shape mm. of it yeah so that um that they claimed that uh, religion all, only um puts people down and is only saying that that they will be redeemed when they are already dead yeah <laughs> or yeah. Yeah. yeah so they just should just be patient and wait and then everything will be fine um bulgakov and also Petyaev, they say no uh if if you are a christian you have a duty to to be uh active in society to to shape society in in this direction to enable social justice you have to engage politically so it's yeah Vukakov is always somewhere uh, between liberalism and socialism he always is is looking for some reasonable way how to act here in in our history yeah without well always with these two uh, things in mind, human dignity, individual human dignity, and uh, social justice. Sure. And not to sacrifice humans for a better future. So that's important. So I mm, yeah, keep criticizing yeah, yeah. Lenin's approach to sacrifice the present generation for the promise that the future will be great. Yeah. Yeah, so he's never letting go of that that importance of human dignity. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Okay, so then what what are sort of his views on views on the nation state? I know you've you've written about this a bit, and and sort of how the human person relates to the nation state. I know at one point he talks about um, kind of a healthy national feeling, um, in his words, at least in English translation. So what what does he mean by? A healthy national feeling, but then the more broad question is sort of what's what? How, how does he think of uh, the nation state? Yeah, it's a bit a tricky question because he lived in the Russian Empire, and you have you yeah. had these uh, national developments, <clears throat> and he developed uh, this uh, his thought, and he changed his thought about this a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Um, the notion of the of a healthy national feeling he developed against the strong nationalism that was very strong in the Russian Empire before the revolution or between the revolutions. You had a very nationalist, um, yeah, people, yeah, <laughs> and polit- politicians uh, endorsed by the Orthodox Church who supported the a very strong uh, nationalism and and Bulgakov was quite against that he thought a healthy national feeling is when you are um 
you want your nation to to prosper to develop but you don't have to put down other nations in order sure. to do that sure so he once criticized uh, Solovyov's take on that Solovyov said uh, somewhere um you should love any nation like your own mm. so that kind of a christian take but bulgakov said well it's a bit more complicated than that so he he related to the idea of one's mother so you you love your mother more than mm. the mother of your friend but that mm -hmm. does not mean that you hate the mother of your friend so sure Yeah. It's yeah. yeah, he he thought it, it's a bit complex. You have a you have a special relationship to to your nation where you're born. That's just the way it is. Sure. But it does not mean that you should hate others. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think in your answers already you've kind of gestured towards Bulgakov's um ideas of kind of how the church can Well, just what the church's role is in the political and economic spheres, but especially according to kind of him and his later thinking, what would you say is that role of the church for him? So, for instance, in, I'm thinking of um, an article you wrote called The Revolutionary Spirit of Revelation, which is a really wonderful article. And you write, um, he, so Bulgakov, was deeply influenced, or de sorry, deeply convinced that the rise of both Marxist communism and national socialism was caused, among other factors, by the church's neglect of the social question. So essentially, like, the church sort of fails to offer an adequate social option, which is why people turn to these these other mm -hmm. options. So, so what's your understanding of sort of how, in Bulgakov's mind, the church has sort of neglected this social question and then how might it attend to that question a little more faithfully yeah so that's again related to his context so when he he was a student and a young man you had this very uh, strong church state relation in the russian empire the church that controls people or is an instrument of controlling people for the state so, uh, first of all, he thought the church must be free and she must be free to criticize the state. Mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> yeah, what, what he actually developed was a notion of a church where everybody is, well, acknowledged in his human dignity. You don't have to, to melt with everybody. So everybody is has his uh, talents to bring in and <clears throat> to communicate with others, to work with others, to cooperate. So if, if everybody brings in his talents, more will look out of it <laughs> if yeah. he cooperates yeah. with others. And that's something the church should enable. Mm -hmm. But uh, it should not do this only within itself. It should be open uh, to society and uh, the church should um, give people the possibility to to thrive and to go mm -hmm. out into society and do their, uh, their work in society. They should do politics 
church should not say which kind of politics they should do, but they should. Um, well, a church should be a place where everybody can go and sure, sure, and be enhanced. Can you say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Church yeah, should no. show you what what talents you have. You have to uh, discover it in in the church community, and you can go sure. out into society and bring it into society, and also in economics, politics, and you can try mm. to to. Uh, Take your Christian values and yeah, try to put them into society somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not force them on on anybody. Sure, that's yeah. It sounds like the singularity of sort of that's each person, yeah, the special cool. gift. Say the that again. The word I was looking for was empowering. The church should empowering. Empower. Okay, okay, good, good. Their members to go out into society and do yeah. what they are talented to do <laughs> yeah no I, I mean i know that you're always working at the intersection of several different languages so i can imagine yeah. it's diff- <laughs> it can be difficult calling up the right word um well i know it's past you know it's past it's like what seven seven forty in the evening on a friday evening <laughs> so i want to i want to let you go and respect your time i'm very very grateful um by the way for our listeners um you should definitely go check out Regula's work. Um, she, she's got a lot written in German, but also some written in English. Um, so her book is in German. So if you read German, go buy it. I do not, but I, I visited her academia.edu page where you can find a lot of her work. And I read several of her articles in English. And I found them especially helpful if you're trying to sort of get a feel for the intellectual context that Bulgakov was working in and sort of how his thought relates to others, that sort of intellectual um, genealogy approach, I think is kind of a trademark of your work from the sampling that I got. So I really, really appreciate that. So you all should go check her work out for sure. Um, But regularly, I just want to say thank you again for (laughs) taking the time to chat and on a late Friday evening. So, Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) 